Hey, what is up? Welcome to the Hypothetical Comedy Podcast. I am Funky Sam Medina. And I am Athena Rodriguez. And we're here with comedian Polite Kitty. Hi, Polite Kitty. How you doing? Hello. <laughs> uh, so how's life out there in uh, the Washington state? Uh, pretty good right now. Sweating big time. <laughs> yeah, no, us too. Us too. We, we feel your pain. <laughs> it's been, it's been, uh, well, today was actually 86. But besides today, it's been like a hundred for like a month and a half. Yep. Wow, it's been um, nuts down there. Expensive. It's been expensive. Yeah. yeah. When uh when we leave, when I leave the house and I come back in, I say, "Oh, it feels expensive in here." Yep. <laughs> That's called air conditioning. Just a basic need, you know. <laughs> yeah, just a basic need. It's so rich. Yeah, it's only expensive as hell, but uh, you know whatever. It's crazy because we never had. I never had central air my entire life. Until I've lived here, yeah, because it's a lot hotter than where I am from in San Jose. Yes, I used to live in South Carolina, and there was air conditioning everywhere there, wow. but it was like a different kind of heat. Like we used to call it a uh, swamp ass because it was. <laughs> oh man! I saw a meme that said uh, Shrek. Shrek's uh, Shrek is fighting about whose asses i don't know <laughs> who swamp my asses uh, i forgot how it went anyway let's change the subject so the first thing i want to talk about is you are doing a thing called summer camp you want to talk to us about summer camp Ooh. uh yes yeah, so i actually am the director of a improv troupe uh we have i think about 14 cast members right now wow. and yeah and so right now we're on summer break but they're doing like uh, boot camp so you have summer jam sessions and then me personally i am teaching a kids acting and improv boot camp for the summer oh wow that's amazing i love it yeah they have a really good time um i i take any ability anybody with any kind of neurodiverse or uh disability or neurotypical whatever and we all come together and we learn how to communicate and do public speaking, basically. That's rad. That is really good because different kids at different levels, like you said, they, you know, they need some, some of them need to, to learn that at a young age and it'll mm-hmm. help them in, in life. Yep. I think we've, I, I used to work, I still do. I, I work in mental health and I work especially in the education system and I just saw this growing need for life skills mm-hmm. and that's one of them. Yeah, yes, exactly. Yeah. I agree 100%. I don't think they really teach those kind of life skills or communication skills in a, a more vast prospect, like kind of like um, they teach you how to communicate with each other, but they're assuming that everybody speaks the same language, you know? Correct. I, I mean, again, I give props to my teachers and staff out there. They try really hard, you know, but they're they are limited with what they're given. Yeah. That's wonderful. Yeah, mm-hmm. that is really awesome. I'm glad that you're able to do that and help out people. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. I like I enjoy I I love working with kids and I especially love when I get to see the progress. Like right now, we're halfway through the boot camp, right? Because we're in August and it'll end at the uh, at the end of August. And uh they're gearing up for we're the last session we're gonna do a show for all the parents and they're they're excited. Oh my gosh, <laughs> that is so cute. That is really awesome. Um, let's uh, let me ask you about your name. Where? How did you uh, get the name Polite Kitty? Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I 
I always, I, this used to be actually a joke that was like one of my first ever stand-up jokes that I said on stage. And um, we had, I used to run a podcast as well uh, called uh, Dating with Disabilities. Mm-hmm. And one of our guests or panelists on the show that we had uh, was Cherie Hardman. She is a local co- uh, comedian here in Seattle. Oh, yeah. And uh, she, she also runs a podcast, uh, very well known for being, um, I guess, well, let's just say her podcast is called Diary of an Exo. Yeah, <laughs> hell yeah. Yeah, she's actually just posted some screenshots and she's doing pretty good with that podcast. Yeah. So when she was on, we were laughing because I am what they consider demisexual. I, I'm only attracted to people when I have like that real connection with you. And so we laughed and I said, yeah, I could count how many times on my hand, literally how many partners I've had. And she told me I had the politest pussy in all of the Pacific Northwest. <laughs> And I said, well, how am I going to edit that for air? (laughs) (laughs) Put in Kitty. And then everyone just saw her start calling me polite Kitty. (laughs) Wow. What a, what an origin story. I love that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Plus I also have six cats too. So (laughs) are they polite? No. <laughs> oh, okay. I thought <laughs> our cat isn't our cat isn't polite either. So ironic. <laughs> uh, yesterday, our cat was playing with Athena, and she hit her head really hard. <laughs> it was a cat's own fault. She hit her head really hard, but she's been mad at her all day today. Oh no! Been, like kind of snub her a little bit. She's like, Ugh, "You made me hit my head." Ugh. <laughs> cats are such jerks. I was so sad because okay, so. I'm usually busy during the day. I walk around all the time and she'd been begging me and begging me to play with her. So I finally went over and played with her. But while she was playing, she likes to be all dramatic and flail all over the place. And she moved like a blanket that was on the couch. And I guess it scared her that she moved it. And so she likes to dive under the coffee table, but the coffee table was moved so she dove straight into the coffee table, like the, the, it was like, boom, like to the point where my kids came out of their rooms going, what the hell was that? Oh, no. it was so hard. <laughs> I was so sad. And then the rest of the day and today, she's been like, yeah, I don't want to talk to you. <laughs> it's not my fault. You did that. <laughs> what you gotta do is go out and give her a gifty by killing a bird or a mouse. Oh, that sounds <laughs> very humane and practical. Yeah. <laughs> I always love when we talk to our animals like they can understand us. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. So uh so glad he brought that up again. Thank you. <laughs> I do like your logo for Polite Kitty as well. I I think you said that that's one of your favorite types of cats, too. It is. It's a uh, manual. manual, manual, uh, It looks so grumpy. (laughs) (laughs) That's why I love it. (laughs) I got to find out. I don't know what this kind of cat looks like. Oh, my God. They live in, I love winter. Like one of my favorite seasons is winter. They live in snow. They're super furry, just big fluff balls. They keep to themselves. They don't want anything to do with anything unless they're like hungry or absolutely want attention. (laughs) 
It's like this describes me. I'm it. Oh wow. That looks like a I don't even know what that looks like. That's crazy. Oh dang, they do look very upset. <laughs> That's the least polite kitty you could have found. Right. <laughs> It goes on my OnlyFans page. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. So you said, uh, was it South Carolina you said you're from? Uh, No, I just, my ex-husband was military. You were there for a while. Where do you begin? Where 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 are you from? (laughs) So ironically, I was born and raised in Seattle. Okay. Yeah. Um, Met my ex-husband here. He was stationed here. Um, and Navy. And then we just ended up moving around. And then I fell in love with uh, the East Coast. I love New York, Jersey, uh, definitely Jersey girl at heart. So that's oh. just where I call my home. Oh, that's, oh, that's cool. How long were you in Jersey? Oh, uh, it was several years because I ended up finishing graduate school out there. What was it you loved about it? Yeah. Uh, just the, the people, the atmosphere. Um, I live, I was very privileged. <laughs> I lived near the beach. And Ooh. so I went to the beach almost every day and I met my best friends out there. I got divorced there. I mean, it was a good <laughs> I just really like it. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Just for any of your fans out there who are listening, Jersey is a fault state. So if your husband or your partner does anything that is not very kosher in a marriage, like, I don't know, lying or cheating on you, um, you are owed alimony. <laughs> oh, oh, interesting. Yeah, wow. just a tidbit of information for you guys. <laughs> Good looking, to know. For, <laughs> looking for a divorce. All right, so let's stay out of Jersey. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm never, we're not going to get divorced. We're just going to live in separate beds. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like the Dick Van Dyke like show. Like the Dick Van Dyke show. <laughs> that's, that's all you can do in this economy anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so then what, what ended up bringing you back to back to the Seattle area when you're out in Jersey? Uh, my mom ended up getting uh, really sick. Uh, and so she actually has lupus. Mm-hmm. And so I came out to live with them. We all live together in one house. And we okay. all kind of take care of each other. Uh, and then she, it's a good thing I did because it wasn't, too much it was only a few years later and then she ended up needing a liver transplant wow oh wow mm-hmm. yeah glad, glad you were there to be able to take care of her and stuff yeah, yeah. so i'm very very grateful for that <laughs> i mean is wild that's for sure i did and i actually have a story because what ended up being wilder out of all of this if you don't mind me sharing is there's like a more elaborate story that i talk about with this but um, in an ironic twist, uh, I, you guys probably saw, I did everything on live, Facebook live. I kept everyone updated just to stay out of my messages and my DMS and things. I'm I remember. Kidding. Yeah. I do remember that. Yeah. So one of my friends who I did a podcast for here, uh, she, I was on her show while all this was going on and we talked about it and you know i talked to her and she was like oh i got i need to make sure she would watch all my lives her parents were fans of our fans of me and like they would watch my lives and um so she made sure that she was a registered organ donor like this changed everything and then 
in February of this past year, she ended up having a very tragic accident in the bathroom and uh, was declared brain dead. Oh, oh wow. And she, I get chills talking about it. And she, uh, and, and I, and for uh, their family actually put up a Facebook live for me so I could watch her last honor walk down to the OR uh, before she died. That's and awesome. six people ended up getting organs from her and and lived and are now alive because of her. What a wow. hero, man. That's, that's what a hero. That's tragic, but also like beautiful. She saved so many people. Yeah. Yeah. It was like a weird, ironic twist of fate that, you know, you know, she had watched all these lives and had been involved in the organ transplant for my mom and then i got to see it from the other side losing a friend um but she also saved life so so it was it was very tragic wow yeah I'm but sorry also for your loss. yeah sorry for your loss because yeah that's that's so sad that's so sad but then it is a little bit more heartwarming that she did save people mm-hmm. yeah and, and i wrote a whole because i'm a storyteller and i wrote a whole story about it and dedicated a whole uh, a whole show to her that's beautiful. That is. That's incredible. You're a good friend. Oh, <laughs> Sorry, I'm so touched. That is so beautiful. Thank you. I mean, it's like I said, it's a very bittersweet, um, just a very random situation. And I think in this world, we're all tied to each other somehow. And we meet each other for a reason. And I, and I'm, I'm so glad that we did. I love it. Truly. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. A little more, uh, a little more of an upbeat here. Uh, when did you discover stand-up comedy <laughs> and start getting into that? I don't know why that felt like a weird transition. It was a weird transition. No. <laughs> this is where all my secrets are going to come out. <laughs> all right. What else you got? What else you got? This okay. So, oh God! So I'm gonna. I'll be. I'll be very honest with you guys. My first on-screen performance ever was not in comedy. I was a background dancer for a music video for one of my favorite bands of all time since I was a teenager, which is the Cherry Pop and Daddies. Whoa! I know his wife. I know the lead singer Steve. Um. We communicated. He had people audition. I got the job. I went down to Eugene, Oregon, where they live. We filmed. And that was my first on-screen appearance was one of his videos. Wow. That's crazy. That is so fun, too. I fell in love with the camera. <laughs> and after that, I was like, I need something more. <laughs> why? Why? Uh, like, what inspired you to do that? I, so I lost a bunch of weight. I, uh, um came to a point in my life where I was like around 300 pounds and my doctor had said like look you're not going to make it the next 10 years if you don't do something about it so I got weight loss surgery lost 100 pounds I'm like 190 now and uh I was like you know what I'm just going to do it F it I was like my mom's sick she's not going to live forever I'm not going to live forever let's just go for it and see if I even get it and I did that's incredible Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Oh yeah. What was the song so we can go find it and watch it? And look <laughs> you should. I love the song. I still do. <laughs> Is it too riot? 
No, um, that was like, like a one, name by them, so that's why. It's right, like, that that is uh, that was one of their uh, earlier albums in the in the nineties. Um, this one is called uh, Platform Shoes. Ooh. Oh, they they're very into fashion, aren't they? <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah, I had I had specific instructions that I had to come down with like platform shoes and you know certain makeup or a certain look. Yeah, like oh, yeah, I went out the other day. I was wearing my zoot suit right with my platinum platform shoes <laughs> <laughs> that sounds about right that's awesome though that's awesome uh what was your experience like doing that um background work it was fun we basically because i had no idea about like sets or filming nothing i literally walked in with no experience and they had costumes already there so honestly they would play the song over and over on a loop And everyone would just get into the mood dancing and he would just tell us where to go or the director would say, Hey, I want you in this shot. And we, we literally sat around just eating donuts and, you know, having a drink and hanging out with the band, uh, you know, in between filming scenes. And I, I looked around and I said, Oh, I need to do this all the time. (laughs) Oh, wow. Yeah. That sounds so fun. So uh, what was your second second job like my second job came actually through dante where we started the podcast together because after that i was like i need i need to be on camera all the time and so we started the podcast uh he was in stand-up and i said well let me try it out see if i like it and then i started stand-up comedy i'm not too keen on stand-up i'm much more of a performance so then after that i started trying out for movies and then I ended up I took acting classes and now I'm doing short films (laughs) that is so cool wow that is really amazing what else have you been in uh I was in I I actually have an IMDB page which is crazy (laughs) that is so cool um I was in a I do a lot of short films right now I my one of my favorite things because I love improv is uh, the 48 hour film festival for the film project and so I did one for I love and I love horror so I did the October one where we did a horror movie called check please <laughs> oh, nice. that sounds scary <laughs> it already sounds scary <laughs> yeah paying your bills the, the scariest part <laughs> that was the and irony of the title <laughs> one time um a long time ago it was years ago at this point um Athena's youngest daughter had seen the remake of it Maybe um, the second part or something. Yeah, and like, she came home and she was like, "Oh, it was so scary! I can't wait till you guys see it, so you get scared." And I was like, "We're adults; we get scared about real things like bills and rent." <laughs> <laughs> Are we going to be able to eat this week? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Damn, Hunger Games is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god! But that's cool that you're into these film festivals mm-hmm. and you know this stuff. Um, what, uh, like what, what's some of the, like the most fun things that you've done as far as acting goes and stuff like that? Um, I mean, it's really hard because any set that you're on it, I I think it's a fun experience all around. I'm, I'm also kind of picky about who I work with. I try to make sure I'm working with women directors or you know non-binary trans uh i love to work on projects where i feel like the marginalized groups are uh out in the forefront that's dope that is really awesome Mm -hmm. 
So I'm very picky about my teams. Um, so far, the, my, my favorites that I've worked with is there's a company called Tapped Media Productions who, you know, did the horror one and then just recently was Blue Egg Films. Wow. So I, I know that a lot of um, actors at some point transition into possibly, you know, making their own project. Do you have any aspirations for that? Yes. I also work with another company called Oddly Funny Productions, and we do writing, um, we do comedy sketches, and I help with editing and booking, and basically I've, I've learned from myself that as much as I love being in front of the camera, I love everything about the entertainment industry, so I, I, I direct, I direct quite a bit, and I like it. Awesome. Wow. I never knew any of this about you. I've only known you as a stand-up. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) I think we all need that comedy outlet. It's not therapy, but it's nice to get, you know, that stuff that you want to work on out. Definitely. Definitely. Uh, What year did you actually start doing stand-up? 2020. Okay. Was it before the pandemic or was it during? Uh, It was just after because we filmed for the back we filmed the the music video in february of 2020 and literally the month after everything shut down wow. um and then i ended up doing stand-up uh and so i people always laugh because they tell me oh you must be doing this for years actually no I, it's only three now i guess yeah i mean i thought you were doing it for years three years ago so just come upon something i loved (laughs) yeah yeah you're a storyteller so it probably comes natural storytellers i feel like have a little bit of an edge when it comes to stand-up comedy because that's essentially what you're kind of doing you're telling the story of your experiences or observations and stuff so that i mean that probably is why we feel like you have done it for quite some time already and i didn't start doing storytelling until 2021 that's awesome. Wow. That is what, that's not something that I even started with. What was your um acting career like like when the pandemic hit? Um so it was challenging cuz I was starting, I was new and you know we have all these new rules now and so basically I'm not old school because I don't know what it was like to go. I don't know what it's like to go into a room and audition in front of, you know, many people and have people staring at you like you're, you're kind of nutty or you don't belong there. Uh, My experiences have all been online. You audition online, you have self tapes, you have reels that you make. Uh, So I've learned to do a lot of it on my own. I don't have makeup artists, you know, because again, I I actually am the makeup artist. (laughs) And so, uh, yeah, this, it's all been through online and then filming is actually when you get to be in person. Wow. That's exciting. That is exciting. Yeah. It's kind of nuts because (laughs) I, I mean, I never, again, like during the pandemic, I thought this is going to go nowhere because everyone's online, but actually it ended up being really cool. Mm-hmm. I like the idea of you being able to pull all those resources together to create different things. And I, I especially love the fact that you are doing that like summer improv for the kids, because now you're like 
bestowing what you've learned to these children. And then who knows where that information and that wisdom goes to, like they could be teaching people that they, you know, encounter in the future. And that's just like the most amazing trickle effect in my opinion. I've always had the belief again, because I work with these kids so much and, and most, and I will say that, you know, my niche is definitely autism. I work, most of the kids I work with are neurodivergence, Mm -hmm. which is great for me because I understand it, (laughs) but I've always said that kids or adults, humans across the board need two things in life, which is confidence and a sense of purpose. Anything after that can be accomplished. That's wonderful. Wow, that's really incredible. I feel like I didn't have a sense of purpose until, you know, in my well into my twenties or thirties, even. Right. I mean, even kids can have a sense of purpose. Whether it's you know, I I did a really cool chore today, and I did it by myself, or mm-hmm. I walked to the mailbox by myself and I did it, and I was able to open the mail or something. Those small sense of Uh, achievements in their life then builds their confidence, which hopefully transfers into adulthood. Hell yeah. Wow. How did you get into um, mental health? Uh, I actually worked as a clinical research scientist. That was my, yeah, that was my first. (laughs) You must've uh, must've gone to school for a very long time. I did. I have, I, I basically have, I have one full master's degree in biomedical sciences. Uh, my second one, which was like, I kind of, I call it my concentration was in psychology. And uh, I took two of those and took two and then went to and did clinical research work uh, where I did data management and things for like drug trials for oncology and uh, rheumatology. And then my son was diagnosed, diagnosed with autism so was I. And then I said, nope, I need to go back into my psych roots and my mental health. And I uh, then became a counselor. Wow. And I worked for myself for many years. I still do. That's incredible because you changed your entire career so you could best help yourself and your son, you know, and then yeah. other people as well. But you would have the resources and the tools to help at home first. Yeah, that was my goal was, was to get him set up, which I did. Uh, he was great. And then once he was good, I took all that and now I help other kids. And I also do parent coaching. I think an important piece that we miss is that, um, you know, we leave the parents out mm, and that makes, yeah, they, that makes total you know, sense. They, they need help too. They don't always understand, especially mm-hmm. if you, if you're, if, if you have one parent who's neurotypical or non-autistic and you have one who is, you know, it can be really hard to communicate with each other mm-hmm. absolutely and then if the parents are you know neurotypical and the children aren't or the child isn't then they may not even know what to do or how to to act you know how to you know how to help the child and then you can educate them in that way as well yeah we go through a lot of that so i um all my sessions every month uh, generally include with my pricing i include parent coaching and everything that's awesome. That is really cool. What was it like for you to branch off and work for yourself in this avenue instead of the biosciences where you were before? Oh my gosh. I, I'm not like everybody. I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> I hated having 
you know, a, a desk that I had to go to. And I hated when people would tell me, you can't listen to music at work. And I, there was just all these rules that I found arbitrary that I didn't think I didn't belong. I was, I was the oddball out. Okay. I'll admit it. I was. And so when I moved into working for myself, uh, it was a lot, it's still a lot of work. You know, you have to think about paperwork and billing, um, you know, especially insurance companies. But what I did find was that I had the freedom to like, just take a day off if I wanted to, I, could choose my own schedule, my own hours. And I didn't have that overwhelming sense of dread every Sunday <laughs> trying to go to work on Monday. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true now. Like I said, I've been doing this for, someone asked, I think it's seven years now. Uh, so you just, you just, you know, once I got all the templates, anyone out there listening who's trying to start a business, once you do that first, like I would say three years and you get all of your templates done, a routine down it's it's much easier after that yeah so um you said that uh you were diagnosed with uh autism what what age did well i don't want to make you tell tell your age but well like, actually was it in adulthood that you were diagnosed yes. and what made you consider even checking if that was a possibility okay i remember i've just been the again the odd one out and I started looking back at my childhood and I was like you know something was different here why can't I Mm -hmm. keep friends why do I why am I always the one who has a problem in any social situation so I did some work on my own and found out and then I was self-diagnosed I was like you know what this is probably what it is but I had enough you know by that point had enough uh, connections in the psych field that I went and asked um, a couple people I knew said, Hey, can you do this for me? And uh, yeah, I got the official paper. And then my son started to, uh, he started to do things that were just like me, where he's constantly looking at things spinning. He's visually looking. And then what really got me was I remember looking at his tray one day, he was 18 months old and he had taken his peas and he had built them into pyramids on his tray. And I was like, he's like me. And I mean, when he turned two, the second I could get insurance covered for it, I hadn't died. I hadn't diagnosed. Wow. And a good eye too. Cause then he was able to get the help that he needed at a young age, you know, to prepare him for adulthood. Yeah. Right away. Cause I mean, a lot of kids, especially in the olden days, their parents didn't know and they didn't really like look for that kind of stuff. So it was really good that you're able to do that. Yeah. I remember like my first memory was when I was in kindergarten and I could not read like the other children because I'm dyslexic. And I remember the teacher telling my mom that she was a terrible mom because she didn't read to me every night at bedtime and that it was her fault that I couldn't read as well. Wow. But my mom didn't want to do anything about it. Cause you know, back in the eighties, if you were labeled anything outside of the norm, you were put into the special ed classes. Oh yeah. That's and yeah, had no, no accommodations. Yeah. I mean, I could speak, you know, for myself, I, uh, I had bad vision and I was in special ed classes because of that. Yeah. And, and, and like, why, why? Exactly. Why? And then, um, my father and I too, but my father 
um, grew up with like, I guess in our family, or maybe it's just exclusive for him, but he has like this, um, ear thing where it doesn't drain properly. And I had it too. Um, but because he couldn't hear very well, they put him in special education classes because they thought he was, um, not up to speed when he just really couldn't hear what anybody was saying. So he got that fixed. And then that made him very cognizant of when I started having hearing problems to, you know, get the tubes put in the ears and to make sure I was okay. Exactly. And see, again, special ed, why? When all the, all you needed was just a certain accommodation. Yeah. Right. And then you're taking that resource away from another kid who probably does need it. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Cause I mean, I get that there's many students out there who have uh, intellectual and developmental disabilities who need a lot of support. Believe me, I've worked with a lot of them. Uh, and so, yeah. So, but why, why, why? <laughs> I think, I think like you said though, in those days, it was just an easy thing to do. Like, Oh, you're a little bit different. Special ed. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember we had a term for it, the boiler room. It was always down. The <laughs> That's where you were. <laughs> wow. That's not where I was, but. <laughs> I was. I think uh, your school was uh, a little more scary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was just hotter. <laughs> yeah. So what are, what are some of the things that you've done that you've accomplished in uh, the mental health field? Uh, so I do a lot of uh, presentations because I know about, uh, IEPs or individualized education Uh, plans. So I write a lot of those. I advocate for SPED law. I happen to know that too, just working in the field. Uh, So again, I'll help parents write goals for their kids. Uh, I fight for their rights to get services. I have been, uh, in nonprofits. I've been down at the government buildings, you know, making laws. And so, yeah. Wonderful. I appreciate that. You know, my daughter, my oldest daughter, she just turned 20, but she needed IEP when we were in, you know, the high school phase. And it meant so much to have someone come through and talk me through it because it's so confusing. I can't even understand how people are able to advocate for their children because it's so like, there's so much paperwork on it. It's so confusing. The whole process is confusing and so upsetting for parents. And that's part of uh, part of parent coaching that I do yeah, uh, as we yeah. go over, like, do they need accommodations? Is it a 504 versus an IEP? And what are your rights as a parent? Yeah. You know, because, you know, you have to look through those big old law papers and it's yes. like, what is this? <laughs> Ridiculous. <Right? laughs> ridiculous jargon just to tell me that my kid may need I don't know an interpreter I don't yeah exactly oh my gosh I I really do believe that um you know I I don't want to say that I know what it's like to be autistic but I honestly believe that um we're supposed to change the way we handle education and communication with people a long time ago. And now it's like, well, you're not going to be able to do these things the way that the the old ways anymore. We're going to really phase that out for sure. And I think that um, a lot of people on the spectrum are, are kind of showing evidence of that. 
that they can be taught a different way. There's a different way to do things. It's not all cookie cutter. And we have to adapt to that. The old ways are old and they're not working. Yeah, it's very true. When I, I used to be a, uh, in my spare time. <laughs> I'm sure you have similar to that. <laughs> I, uh, I was actually a, pr- a professor. I was teaching uh, and I would teach, you know, the college kids as they were coming in, like basic writing and English 101 and all that other jazz. And uh, I, yeah, I remember my boss actually coming to me and saying, hey, make sure when you're teaching, you're engaging by touching on all of their senses touch visual audio i mean make sure he they actually told me make sure you cover all of it because you know everyone you never know what somebody's uh learning style is yeah and from then on uh, everything included all five six and i say six but all of the senses we included in in the lessons and I, I I can't tell you how many kids I actually would have come up to me and say, Hey, thanks for actually doing that because no one else was listening. That's great. That is great. What is the sixth sense? Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> Your wife is sitting in the room and you don't right. know how dare you. Oh, that's what you mean. Okay. I see what you mean. Gut, gut <laughs> instincts. Many don't know how to listen to their gut. Yeah, my instinct is actually really good. She always tells me that all the time. Yeah, Sam's really good with his uh, listening to his intuition and his gut. And I have a, of a for myself personally, uh, sometimes I second guess, but that's like that training that you get when you're a kid. You know, you're told, I know better than you. Let me tell you what to do. Don't trust yourself. You're a kid. You don't know. Yeah, but now you know what to do and you're not a kid. Well, you got so to you train know. yourself. You got to deprogram that sometimes. That is, it's yeah. literal. Uh, they call it neuroplasticity. It's literally retraining your brain to yeah. be able to trust yourself again. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, do that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, start right now. Yeah. <laughs> it's on. You're done. All right. We don't need therapists. Just do it. Yeah, <laughs> just, exactly. do it. Just, just do it. You'll be okay. <laughs> So you are also running an like a online uh, improv mic. I I yeah, it's on hiatus right now. Uh, but yes, I do. We do improv. I created a whole troupe here because again, I found when I went into the improv business, which I love. That's where I'm at. Improv and storytelling. Um, it was very male dominated. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. And uh, most people were of one color. (laughs) And I thought, we need something different. So uh, my troupe is called South Sound Improv. And we are based out of Puyallup, Olympia area. And I include people of all genders, race. Again, I, I do a focus on the marginalized groups. Oh, yeah. That's good. Representation awesome. matters. Mm-hmm, absolutely. It, it really does. Um, and yeah, so we, we do episodic recording. Uh, we're going to start recording again this fall. Ooh. Yeah, new episodes will drop in January of 2024 on my YouTube page. Uh, and in between, we just kind of go on Twitch and have fun and do like riff tracks and things like that. So cool. That is really cool. So when I mentioned stand up, you're like, yeah, stand up. It's okay. I did it. It was fun. But then when I mentioned improv, you lit up. Uh, what is it about improv that you love? As an autistic person, your life is so 
um, conform to these routines, which again, I love, I love routine, you know, every time. But when I got into improv and acting, it required my brain to use a different muscle by thinking on my feet. And I would have to come up with something right on the spot. And I knew that, hey, in an improv, you really can't get in trouble too much for what comes out of your mouth. (laughs) As long as it's not like super like racist or some bigotry, you know, like that. You pretty much say what you want as long, you know, it comes right out. And I love being able to drop that filter and just play. Yeah, it's like it's like being six years old and just role playing. I don't know. (laughs) I like that. That's a good comparison. It's like, you know, just uh, playing make believe in in a way. Yeah. And, you know, anything goes and whatever is handed to you, roll with it, baby. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I remember Athena used to run this mic where it was, you know, you get a riff topic or you get like an improv character. Mm -hmm. And it was just so much fun to watch these people go on a character they never even knew that they were going to get. And they just ran with it and did so many fun things. I loved it. It was so fun. Actually, Athena, you were the inspiration for the open mic part of my improv. It is called This or That. And players have a choice to either choose a set list from me, uh, which I will hand them where they have to riff off of it or tell a story or whatever, and where it's four to five prompts. Or you can choose to play short form games with the rest of the teammates remaining. Oh, that's wonderful that is pretty awesome i love it have you okay so i know that you have all the background with you know mental health and everything um have you ever been like a a consult for how to improve uh like an after school program in schools or how to like um i don't know how to say it but like let's say there's an after school program and you would be a consult into how to make it accessible for other children or all the children, um, how to make it, um, I guess what I'm trying to say, uh, how to make it improve to help them with their skills with communication, um, not just in like your improv show for them, but just in like different types of like maybe student centers or stuff like that. Like after school programs. Yeah. Yeah. I have worked one-on-one with some companies. Um, so a little tidbit about me because I am still an advocate. Uh, school districts tend to not like me as much. <laughs> Mm, yeah you're the, you're the bad guy because you're i'm the bad guy for, i'm the one you're coming fighting in. you're fighting for the kids I right my that. my and job is not to accommodate the school my job is to accommodate to the kids and get their needs filled right. um so usually i'm the bad guy coming in there and, and making demands and saying hey if you don't follow it's going to go against the law and then we have to sue you you know which i've done before wow what Um, it's called due it's called due process just like any other court system when polite kitty walks in the room they're like oh no (laughs) funny enough i actually was in the room one time and this one administrator stood up literally screamed in my face and said you're (gasps) such a bitch Wow, that is the opposite because of I was thing. asking for accommodations for a child. Wow, that is harassment. This is how I, this is why stand up but doesn't bother me. I know how to handle hecklers. I've been called a bitch my entire life. <laughs> like, apparently, wow. 
Um, this might be weird. I don't know if this is like something you could actually answer or not. Do you ever find a way to uh, intermingle the improv and the mental health? Yes. It all overlaps every bit of it. Uh, the kids, when we, we do, like I said, I told you we were going to do the show at the end of the month, but it's not, the focus is not about the show or the, you know, the emotion you bring, you know, in basic acting stuff. The point is that you learn how to think in the moment. So if someone was doing something terrible to you, you know, we're going to, we're going to go all extreme. Like, let's say this person is like sexually harassing you or something's have essays happening. You know that, Hey, if I think and do this, I can, I can run away or I can stand up for myself and say what I want in the moment. I love that. Yeah. That's so important. That is very important. And then you're teaching them how to think in the moment, but you're almost like tricking them in a way because (laughs) the kids are focused on the show. You know, they're not realizing they're learning how to think on their feet. Yeah, they just see it as fun. Uh, yeah, they, they just see a fun show. Their, yeah, they, they, they go back and tell their parents, hey, we played games. Yeah, because kids are supposed to play games and that's how they learn. Yeah. Wow. That's incredible. I know. I'm like all annoyed because like how you were saying uh, the schools see you as the bad guy. And I'm like, everything points that you're actually the good guy, you know? I try to be, but I understand their point. They're there to make money. School education is a business. And, uh, you know, and I'm there to debunk that and say, hey, this isn't a business. This is our tax dollars working and, mm-hmm. and they're owed these accommodations. Yeah. Almost like you counterbalance it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I try. <laughs> yeah, you don't always. <laughs> I'm sure you don't win every time. But like I said, you never know with that trickle down effect who's going to, you know, carry the torch and who you're going to inspire to like fight for other people and advocate for other people as well as themselves. Social justice is a hard thing. Uh, the last big big case I worked on that I helped with for free um, was a a kid named Matthew Russian, uh, who's also autistic. um, And the government, he had had a seizure while he was driving a car. He didn't know he had epilepsy and crashed his car. But unfortunately, somebody got hurt and he ended up going to jail. They arrested him and he was in jail. And so I worked on, helped with his case by you know, contacting the, the governor and he actually ended up uh, getting out of jail and he is a f- somewhat free person. We're still working to get his uh, record exonerated, but um, yeah, he's, he's out. Oh my gosh. Wow. Wow. That is amazing. Yeah. The oh. poor, poor kid. Yeah. Because like, I, I feel like even um, after you have a seizure, you feel like shit after And Mm -hmm. so to be dealing with, you know, getting booked into jail and having to deal with being in jail and nobody knows that you're, you just had this, like, that person should be in a hospital or something. Oh my gosh. Wow. It is awful. The discrimination and that goes on. And, And really it's not that I think people are dumb or anything like that. I think there's just a, a huge lack of education. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's and then a lot of times um you can't see things like that. You can't see autism or things like that. So you don't really think about it what what, what other people are going through or what they may, 
you know, be dealing with because you don't see it physically. And you don't see epilepsy. Until Epi- exactly. It until, right. Especially the epilepsy because the person that has it doesn't even really see it until it happens. Right. And, and you know, this, I, I watch, I'm so weird. I love these shows like body cam. I watch all these police things because <laughs> I get obsessed and because I'm watching, I'm learning, I'm watching patterns to learn the law. And so many times I'll see like, the, the cops, you know, try to go and help them or do something, but they're, they, they get it wrong because maybe so, I actually watched one one time where there's someone had a uh, low blood sugar and they ended up crashing the car on the body cam episode or whatever it was. And it wasn't that they were trying to run from the cops or this person literally had a medical event in their car and crashed like, you know, Oh my gosh. Wow. That, and then I think I, I, I watched those too, by the way. <laughs> I know true crime. <laughs> You're not weird. <laughs> yeah, I watched it too. But the one that I saw that was like super heartbreaking for me one time was uh, it was a old woman who was in Walmart and they were saying that she was stealing something and she was leaving the Walmart and saying, I just want to go home. I just want to go home. And the police went after her. They like broke her arm because she was trying to go home. And it turned out she had dementia. Yeah. And I was so upset about it because you could totally tell she's completely disoriented. Yeah. You can totally catch it like that. And oh, that just made me so sad. And, and not that I think cops should be responsible for all of that. I, I think the, the the disconnect that we're having right now is that uh, police should be in charge of enforcing safety. Like, just mm-hmm. let them do police work. Um, we should have a separate response team uh, like they have here in, in Oregon and in Colorado, where it's an emergency mental health crisis response team, where you have those, oh, wow. those trained people who are like me, who are crisis responders in mental health. And they, they're the first ones on the scene, not the police. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, because you would know how to talk to them and, and just find out more information other than going in, just knock him to the ground. Oh my God. It's so freaking brutal. I feel like the police can approach a little more gently as well, though. Mm-hmm. They could, but it, you know, but having that separate team, we have seen from the data that it allows police to just do police work and then mental, yeah. health, mental health work. Right. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of times where those teams step in, the police aren't even necessary. Right. Right. Because right. they can, you know, de-escalate a situation. Or like when they have, there's like been multiple videos where I've seen where uh, they call the police to handle an unruly child at school. And yes. they don't need the police for that. They put the, a child in handcuffs just because they're being, you know, um, extra, so to speak. But it's like they're they're kind of like in crisis. You can tell mm-hmm. the, that these children are in crisis. They don't know how to deal with the influx of emotions. Things are happening around them. And it's like that is not a police thing. That is what you said, a crisis team. Uh, that's yeah. their territory. Yeah. I mean, the, the, you know, having police there, you know, just for... Uh, safety reasons going back to the safety let them work on safety Mm -hmm. um and then just supporting the mental health uh team as they're doing their job Mm -hmm. and did you say there's only uh, mental health crisis teams in two states 
those are the only two I know of is Oregon and uh, Colorado. I know that they are working on it here in Washington state. Uh, they are hiring. So hopefully it'll be rolled out pretty soon. I yeah. Hope so. That's something that we should have in every state. I never even knew that existed to tell you the truth. Yeah. But it's brilliant. It is brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. We were lots of us mental health advocates worked real hard behind the scenes on that one too. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure it's been a lot of work for, Oh man, a lot of the stuff, because it's not like this is something that's just happening now. This is like decades that you guys have been working for this. Oh yeah. This started way back in the nineties. Oh yeah. Yeah. When, when new research came out saying, Hey, uh, maybe we should take a look at this. (laughs) Exactly. Wow. So what are some things that you would like to, to do or to accomplish in your field? Or fields. Or fields, yeah, because you do a lot of stuff. <laughs> Acting, mental health, improv. What's on the agenda in the future for you? <laughs> Hopefully settling down somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I go, see, here's the thing. It's because I am autistic. I have hyper fixations. I will 100% admit it. So whatever the fixation is that moment, then that's what I roll with. Um, no, I, I hope, here's what I, here's my hope is because, I do work on a board right now. I'm with the Olympia Film Society. I'm a board member. My hope is that I get to be director um, and move up in the acting world and stay with that and improv um, and kind of phase out stand-up. Not that there's anything wrong with stand-up. Again, my, my performance, I just love being on stage in a different way. So what about, what about like, uh, in the uh, mental health stuff, what um, things would you still like to accomplish? I don't have a whole lot there. I've accomplished kind of so much yeah. um, to the point that my autistic brain actually got a little bored. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. Plus, I mean, I guess there's only things to accomplish. You just take things as they come to you in that in that way. Yeah. Now I now I just um, my my hope for that is just to keep my business, which is uh, called Healthy Wings Therapy. Um, continue to do uh, peer counseling, parent coaching and advocating in that field and just kind of helping others and hopefully inspiring somebody else to, like you said, take the torch because, ooh, this brain is going to have to retire soon from that. (laughs) Well, I think what you're doing is amazing. I didn't even know that you were so, you know, into doing um, all this stuff. And I just think it's amazing. We need more people like you in the world. Oh, thank you. absolutely hey thanks for chatting with us it's been super fun talking to you yeah it was fun thank you guys you want to uh, plug your social media yes anyone can follow me on any social media across the board except twitter i don't do that (laughs) (laughs) at polite kitty underscore and i have people who ask me all the time what's the best way to support you and honestly while money is great i would really love if people would just either come to a show listen to a show or subscribe to my youtube channel that's wonderful. That is amazing. Uh, you can find me across the board at Funky Sam Medina. And I am at She Shines for You, all spelled out, no numbers. And everything else is at Hypothetical Comedy. Awesome. Thank you so much, Polite Kitty. Hey, thank you.